24141 to pledge your support for this locally produced radio show about rural life in the Catskills and the Delaware River Valley. children's story who's become a cultural icon the world created originally not just to entertain children but as a way to bolster education in a newly unified Italy the story of Pinocchio has taken on a life we're having a little difficulty with our satellite but uh, we will get back into farm country in just a second we'll hear from Rosie who's here live in the studio in her green and gold Land. It's, it's it's a an honor to be here with Tim in the WJFF Jeffersonville studios. Uh, I came in in the coattails of Patricio Robayo, and I think um um what an honor it is to be with the the staff as a volunteer. I don't always get to do that, and here I am, and it's a wonderful day because Tim, it's the last day of winter. Yay! It's the last day of winter. Tomorrow is the spring. First day of spring, it's the vernal equinox. And I'll tell you, the farming country landscape on the way to the studio really reflects exactly today. Even if it's a little foggy, a little overcast, it's still great that we know it's spring. You can see some, I saw some buds on trees. I, I saw things happening out there. Yes, there's green in the fields and a flock of turkeys passed me on the way. <laughs> <laughs> That is a sure sign of spring. I think I even saw like a caterpillar going across the road too. I'm not sure. Maybe maybe it was some other kind of weird creature. But it's spring and we're happy that it's going to be springing soon. And you can spring into action. Spring into action. Yes, now spring into action. Get to your phone or your laptop. 845-482-4141 is the number to call because it is our spring pledge drive. That's why we're here. And I have a wonderful show lined up for you today in honor of the last day of winter and the first day of spring. But give us a call, 845-482-4141, or go online, wjffradio.com. Org and pledge whatever amount you'd like. Yep, and you can pledge in support of Farm and Country. We know you love to listen to Rosie and the team with Farm and Country every Saturday. So show your support. Show your support of the locally produced job that Rosie and the team do. It's all coming from from her and from those guys. They they put it together themselves. It's not coming from, from an algorithm or something. So it's a <laughs> real person. She's right here. Show your support. And uh, Rosie, we have a challenge from Anonymous. Uh, it's a two hundred and fifty dollar challenge. So we're asking folks to meet that amount during Farming Country right now. Yes, during Farming Country. I think that uh, there's some folks that would just love to call right now with a, a pledge of any donation. Yeah. $50, $100. And here how the challenge works is if you if we make the 250 then we get that matching 250 So boom, it's $500 and gets us well on our way to our goals. We made a daily goal today of $5,000. So far, we're at 3035 so a little over 1900 to go. You can help get us there, and this will be a really good help to us. 845-482-4141 or online at wjffradio.org. Help us meet the challenge. Help us meet our spring into action, spring fun drive goals. Yes, yeah, spring into action right now to your phone or your laptop, and show your pledge of support for this show that... Today, I, I have to say it's another labor of love and honor of the last day of winter and the first day of spring. And, and Keith Hubbard, the first 
start we'll play some star talk now he's going to explain exactly what tomorrow is about i mean it's it's a special day today mm-hmm. it's very special to be and the moon is full and the earth is waking up into spring you can smell it so while we're honoring all of that uh, give us a call, 845-482-4141, or go online with your pledge of support, wjffradio.org. Help us meet this $250 challenge for you farm and country listeners. Call now, 845-482-4141, or go online, wjffradio.org, and spring into action. Here's Keith. For farm and country, I'm Keith Hubbard, and this is Star Talk. At 11.33 a.m. tomorrow, the sun will cross the celestial equator from south to north, marking the start of spring. This event is known as the vernal equinox. The equinox marks the midpoint between the sun's lowest path across the sky and the sun's highest path across the sky. Track the location of the sun at noon over the coming weeks and months, and you will see the arc of the sun moving northward. The date of Easter is determined by the vernal equinox. Easter falls on the first Sunday after the first full moon after the vernal equinox, which will be Sunday, April 17th this year. There are a few interesting things that occur during an equinox. The sun will rise due east, will set due west, and will be directly overhead at the equator at noon. The vernal equinox is a perfect day to determine due east or due west from your yard. The point where the sun meets the horizon at sunrise or sunset will be due east or due west. Also, the length of day and night are nearly equal on the equinox. Tomorrow, we will see 12 hours and 9 minutes of daylight. With the sun on a northern trajectory in the sky, the sunrise will be coming earlier in the day and the day itself will be getting longer. The sun will continue to move north in the sky until late June at which time it will reverse direction and head south. Tomorrow will be the vernal equinox and the start of spring. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future Star Talk segments, my email address is startalk at farmandcountry.org. For Farm and Country and Star Talk, this has been Keith Hubbard reminding you to keep looking up. Always a good reminder. Keep looking up. We love hearing from Keith on Farm and Country. We know you love listening to Farm and Country and Star Trek Talk every week here at 11 with Rosie and the team. And Rosie is live in the studio for our Spring into Action Spring Fun Drive. Yes. Hi, Rosie. Hello. I have to tell the audience, as I was designing today's show, inspired by Spring into Action, I dove into our pantry, the Farm and Country pantry. You know, like when you're making <laughs> soup in the winter and it's, you know... You go in your your pantry and you say, well, what do I have? I have parsnips and carrots and onions. So the Farm and Country Archives kind of has that kind of thing. And so I looked in and I found from 2015 (laughs) a segment from 2018, from 2017, all this stuff. And that's it's about fly fishing, all the things that are happening right now for springtime, Uh maple syrup. Trout fishing, fly tying, and 
I'll tell you, audience, I want this phone to ring. And I'm going to be, it's a secret now. The end, I'm going to keep you waiting to the very end. Okay. I'm going to play the first thing I ever recorded for, for WJFF. It's eight years old. My voice does not sound like the way it does now. But first, I want to hear the phone ring, 845-482-4141. I think there's um, an alarm on the pantry. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, we'll get that taken care of. But call us, 845-482-4141, or go online to wjffradio.org. We have a $250 challenge out there during Farm and Country. You need to meet it in the next hour, uh, and that way we get the extra 250 That's 500 in the bank. We're on our way toward our goals here at the summer. Oh, not summer yet. Spring. Spring. First, we're going to do spring. Let's do spring the, first. One of the things they do in spring is people that do uh they love fly fishing. Mm-hmm. And so years ago, before the pandemic, <laughs> I went over to the Catskill Fly Fishing Museum uh-huh. and talked with Joe Rist at an event that happens annually. And there was he's such a spirited person. His The information we're going to hear now transcends time. And it's all about this time of the year when people are getting ready for trout season. So this is Joe Riss. All you trout fans, all you fishermen out there, call us 845-482-4141 or go online wjffradio.org and spring into action. For WJFF Radio Catskill and Farm and Country, this is Rosie Starr at the Catskill Fly Fishing Center and Museum in Livingston Manor. And there's an event at the Wolf Gallery. I'm going to be speaking with Joe Rist, who's going to tell us about the event and why folks are here. Hi, I'm Joe Rist. I am a guide for Catskill Flies here in Roscoe, New York. And this event is fly tires from all over the state in Connecticut, New Jersey, who come and showcase their talents. And it's open to the public. And it's here an opportunity for people who are interested in fly tying to learn some new tricks to the trade. Who is it that participates in fly fishing and what ages are they? People who participate in fly fishing are men and women and children. Ages, I would say, anywhere from 13 up to their final cast, which could be in their 70s or 80s. Fly fishing is a passion. It's something that takes some time to learn. But here in the Catskills, we have the Beaverkill and the Willow Weemock, which are streams that are great to learn on, plus the history of the Catskills, where it started, the who's who's, and the equipment and things like that, which you can find here at the Catskill Fly Fishing Museum. You mentioned equipment. What equipment do you need for fly fishing? So you need a special rod that's very flexible. It's called a fly rod. And back in the day, it was a bamboo rod, and over time, it went to fiberglass and then the technology improved to graphite but it's usually a rod that I would say could be up to nine foot long and with a special line to a reel and it's it's designed to throw the smallest flies 30 40 50 feet it's a very flexible rod okay and you mentioned flies what are the flies made out of flies are made out of many different things from synthetics to um, hair from animals, to fur from animals, from birds and grouse and things like that, and pheasants. So people have learned over time how to put these things together to make an artificial fly. In fly fishing, we are trying to imitate a natural fly. And with these materials that we can use, some are buoyant, 
and float, and some aren't, but they can move well in the water to give it some lifelike conditions so a trout sees that movement, that equals realism, and the trout will eat the fly. So you're imitating the life cycles of most of the bugs that live under the water. And then as, as they emerge, they swim to the surface, they'll develop wings, and they become adults, and it's a different pattern. The life cycles of the bugs are um, what we try to imitate, from nymphs to emergers to the dry fly to the spinner. And that's what the fly tires here try to do. We also imitate bait fish, crayfish, leeches, and things what we call terrestrials, insects that live along the banks, ants, beetles, grasshoppers, things like that. So fly fishing really puts you in an environmentally mode where you're trying to connect with nature. That's the beauty of it too. Fly fishing in the beginning when you're, you're new, you want to catch a lot of fish. You want to be successful. But over time, you grow with fly fishing. And it's still important to catch fish, but looking beyond the water, seeing the flowers, the wildlife, things like that, that's getting more appreciative to uh, the fishermen than catching 100 fish in a day. This area is noted for its natural beauty. What makes this area so special for fly fishing? Well, it's the amount of streams and rivers that we have in this area. You can start out in the lower part where you can fish the Never Sink and then come up to the Willowemock and the Beaverkill. From there up, we can go to the East Branch and the West Branch of the Delaware, where there the two meet and they become the Delaware River. So we have a multitude of streams. So if we get a major rainstorm in one part of the area and blows out a stream, which means bring the water up and off color, maybe a stream further up a half hour up the road could be very fishable. The other thing is we have two types of streams in this area. One's called a freestone. Freestone is regulated by Mother Nature, and that's the beaver kill in the Willowemock. Then we have tailwaters, and tailwaters is the Never Sink, the East Branch, and the West Branch. Those are waters that are released from the bottom of the dam, and they are cold throughout the year. Um, so in August, it can be 105 degrees air temperature, but the water temperature might be 50-52 in the water, which is very healthy for trout. Can you talk a little bit about the species of trout that folks find here? What we have in this area as far as trout is we have our brook trout, our brown trout, and rainbow trout. Those are the prime trout in this area. There's some smallmouth bass in the area that people like to fish for. And now there's a trout coming into the picture called the tiger trout. So we have those in our area that we fish for. You've given me lots of information so far. How difficult a sport is this to learn? To learn this sport, it takes some time. It's not something you're going to go out and learn overnight. I say you have to get on a stream twice a week by your house or a pond to you know, practice your casting. I say take a course in fly fishing, a fly fishing course, or hire a guide, and he will help tremendously to get you started and what to look for. Um, there's a lot more to casting the rod than meets the eye. You have to learn how to read the water, understand the rising fish that are taking the bug and maybe what cycle they are. Um, so there's, there's a lot to take in. You've got to know your knots. Without good knots, you may not hold on to your fish too long. I see that you're wearing a shirt, Catskill Flies, from Roscoe. Are you associated with that? Catskill Flies is a fly shop owned by Dennis and Ellen Skarka. They've been in the business for about 26 years um, at the fly shop on Main Street. I've been a guide for them now for about five years. It's a little mom-and-pop shop. They offer a lot of 
helpful hints. They have a lot of materials, some rods and reels, and they also offer lessons if you're interested in getting started in fly fishing, plus our guide service. Everyone in this room seems eager about fly fishing. When does the season start and how long does it last? That's a two-question answer. There's uh, sections of the beaver kill and the willow weemock that are open all year long. It's the catch and release areas. So if it's safe to go out during the winter and there's not too much ice, you can fish to get some fresh air. But the main season opens up from April 1st to October 15th by the state rules and regulations. We're in a building called the Wolf Gallery. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So we're at the Caskill Fly Fishing Museum, and the Wolf Gallery was built by Joan Wolf, named after her. Her and her husband, Lee, were very instrumental in the museum, and they dedicated this hall to her. There's a lot of history here at the Caskill Fly Fishing Museum. You can find out Theodore Gordon, the Roy Steenrod, to all the who's who of fly fishing and tying and casting. They're here, and you can learn a lot about the history, the rods, the reels, the flies that you see on the walls. It's a great place to bring the family. It's a great place to spend the day and fish out in front. It's just a beautiful place to be. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of fly fishing? Basically, they say it started in about the 1800s. This area here was really known as a logging and timber industry with trapping. And they did a lot of fishing for subsistence to, to feed themselves. The railroad had a lot to do with coming here. The railroad would do the lot, bring the people from New York City up. They're instrumental in stocking the streams. The 1800s, about 1850, 1840s, you know, there was Theodore Gordon, who was the, they say, is the father of fly fishing here. It's all started with him. And there's so many others. There's Ed Hewitt, George LeBranche, so many others who were pioneers of their time to uh, introduce new ideas then and to make us better fishermen. The thing about the trains is people from New York City used to come up this way a lot. They thought that the air was a lot cleaner. A lot of places would just people would come up from the city by train, get dropped off in these little towns. It was great for economics and things like that. Fishing just was a boom. The other thing about fly fishing history was that what we complain about today, the over-harvesting of fish, the stockfish, um, the pollution, is the same things they argued about in the 1800s. A lot of people were insulted that they were starting to stock brown trout in the waters. They thought they were going to take away all the brook trout. Well, the pollution played a big part of the brook trout dwindle. They had acid factories, they had mills and things like that, and they would pollute the rivers and kill a lot of fish. Back then, pollution was a major hindrance to the fish dying. So in the 1860s, 1870s, they brought in some German trout, and Seth Green from the Caledonia Hatchery started raising them, and they started introducing the trout to the rivers. And some people were upset about that, and some people accepted them as a good quarry, a good fighting fish, and a good fish to catch. And then it just, it just grew. They complained about the stockfish tasting like liver pellets then, as we do today, and things like that. You've been very informative. It's very interesting what you've said. And uh, Joe Riss, thank you for taking the time to speak with us. Is there anything else you'd like to add? 
I think everybody should take a lesson and learn how to fly fish. It's good family fun. It's a wonderful uh, sport to get into and hope to see him on the water someday. Thank you. For WJFF Radio Catskill and Farm and Country, this is Rosie Starr at the Catskill Fly Fishing Center and Museum in Livingston Manor at the Wolf Gallery, speaking with Joe Rist. That is your intrepid reporter, producer, (laughs) host, Rosie Starr of Farm and Country. She's here live in the studio for a special hour-long Farm and Country during our Spring Into Action Spring Fun Drive. And Rosie, um, if you if you want to see what Rosie looks like, go to Instagram and Facebook. She's wearing her her St. Patrick's Day outfit with her uh, green and gold. It looks very cute. So go to Instagram or Facebook and check it out and like as well. At WJFF Radio is the handle. Yes. And uh, oh, also need to thank Harold and Lillian who donated uh, last hour before we got into farming country. Forgot to mention. Thank you for your donation. Appreciate that. And they're in Arizona, coming back uh, in April. So we'll see them here for the summer. And we still have a two hundred fifty dollar challenge on the table for farming country. Though we haven't heard the phone ring yet, and we haven't uh, seen anything on uh, online yet. So we know you're listening. We know you're getting ready for the St. Patrick's Day parade in Jeffersonville, or just enjoying uh, this last. Last day of winter, <laughs> spring is on the the cusp, but we we do need to hear from you eight four five four eight two four one four one or online at wjffradio.org. Support farm and country. Yes, Tim, very well said. And uh, I'll remind the audience that people stop me in the street often to say how much they enjoy the show that we have here. And it's a collection of over the years. I've been a volunteer now here for eight years, and over the years, it's. 23 volunteers have contributed to this Farm and Country show, and I'm very proud to be standing here representing them now. But I need you to call and show your support and appreciation of the work they do. Uh, a labor of love on our part, 845-482-4141, or go online, wjffradio.org. That webpage is phenomenal. It's easy. It's colorful. It's safe and secure. Yes, it is. It's it's uh it's very easy. But now we we have this challenge and it must be met. We don't want this uh to slip by the wayside. Yeah. Um, we're, the uh, what we're going to listen to now, the segment from the Farm and Country Pantry, <laughs> is from last year. Um, <laughs> was the newest uh, group of volunteers, uh, Alex and Matthew Hoshka. They're from Cooks Falls. Now, they represent the Catskill side of fly fishing. We know and we love sweetwater fishing guide Evan Padua for the Delaware Riverside. Uh, Alex and Matthew represent the Catskill side, and so they alternate with their fishing reports. A couple of weeks ago, we heard Evan doing his tie flying report. Now, Alex and um, Matthew, last year they sent me a spring fishing report, and I said it's exactly what we need for yeah. today. It was it was time for March last year, and so we're going to use that information now. But in the meantime, while you're listening, eight four five four eight two four one four one, or go online wjffradio.org. It's critical that we meet this challenge. So call with any amount. Yeah, we only have uh, until noon to meet the challenge, $250 on the table. You know, I was telling Patricio in the last hour, we have a, we're so blessed to have multiple media outlets and local journalists here, and, and we're, we're fortunate to have 
a, a multitude of fishing and, and fly fishing in, in different areas, the Delaware River, the Catskills, this, this beautiful area that we have surrounding us. And we're, we're so happy to be able to bring you all of that on Farm and Country. Show your support, 845-482-4141 or online, wjffradio.org, and spring into action. This is the Fishing Report with Alex and Matthew Hostia out of Cooks Falls. Hi, and welcome. We're going to talk a little bit about some tips and tactics about game fish in the area that you can fish for in this late season ice condition. So, Alex, take it away. All right, we are going to switch to America's favorite game fish, largemouth and smallmouth bass. While we have a lot of reservoirs and lakes in the area with these, they might not always be the easiest to catch. So if you are trying to target these species, a great way to get some largemouth and smallmouth is to just set up a tip-up and a shiner. It may not seem like it, but spring is right around the corner, so these fish may be staging for pre-spawn. So look for areas that are in 6 to 15 feet of water, depending on how deep your lake is, and set a tip-up about 2 feet off the bottom with a shiner on either a treble hook or a single hook with a split shot above to get it down. If you prefer to fish with artificial lures, try something like a larger jigging spoon, a rattle bait, or a swim bait on a jig head. All of these can produce largemouth on sunny days, and if you're in the right spot with the right gear, it could work out for you. Now moving on from bass, if you're more of a pan fisherman like myself, perch are kind of the money move. If you're looking for perch, make sure you find areas where they're going to be spawning. Find your weed beds, shallow areas, flats, where you're going to have a lot of weed growth. Perch lay strings of eggs along weed edges, so if you find the weed line, you're probably going to find perch. Luckily for you, Sullivan County has plenty of lakes loaded with perch, so if you find that weed edge, you're going to find the perch. Perch always go for meat, and what that means, make sure you have bait. If you're going to be fishing for perch, jigging spoons like a Swedish pimple, or a chain lure that has a lot of flash is going to attract them and make sure you either tip it with a minnow head or some sort of live bait um, whether it's a mousy, a spike, or a waxworm tip to put onto that bait. Smaller is better if you have tungsten uh, baits they're going to get to the bottom faster. Those baits are going to be the best. If you find muddy bottom along weed edges those areas are going to be where those perch tend to stage before they move in to spawn. So if you can find those areas, that's going to be your best sure shot uh, way to get fish into your cooler. If you can't get live bait, try fishing with artificials, whether it's small soft plastics or small jigs. Rattle baits will also work really well, especially on those days where you have the sun shining and the fish are going to be active. Watch your weather. Watch your fronts moving through. Small panfish tend to be a little bit more active right before a front hits and way after a front comes through they're going to start moving into that shallow water to spawn moving on we're going to go into trout and some of the tips and tactics for those all right many people associate the catskills with fly fishing for trout and rivers but we have some fantastic trout lakes as well first and foremost if you do plan to target trout make sure you are on the right side of the law when you go trout fishing when you are going out for trout, a lot of the lakes in the area have maps on the DEC website so you can see where there are underwater points or underwater humps. Trout are a very mobile species, 
so it is good to pick a spot, set up, and stay there all day. Trout may move through at morning or evening time, so pick a good spot and stick it out. For trout, you're going to want to fish either tip-ups with live minnows or flashy spoons and rattle baits. If you have a depth finder, try and see if you could find schools of bait or schools of trout moving through. If you find one of these areas, stick with it throughout the day. You could find a window where the trout turn on all of a sudden and you could have a couple nice fish on the ice. My favorite bait for trout is finding some sort of worm bait something that's going to grab their attention. Match the hatch. If you're on a lake that you know has a lot of aquatic life, whether it's caddisflies or mayflies, uh, whether it's a big lake or a small lake, trout are going to feed primarily on what's either hatching. So if you can find spots where you have a lot of insect activity, that's probably going to be your best shot. Now, speaking of matching the hatch, if you're fishing smaller ponds or if you're going for bluegill, crappie, or other panfish, here are some tips to fish for those fish effectively under this late season ice. Look for areas again, just like perch, you'll often catch bluegill and crappie mixed in. They're going to be doing the same thing those perch are doing. Find those weed edges, find your structure. If you're fishing a lake that you fish a lot either late fall or early spring, find those points that you can go out on your boat maybe in April and May where you're catching fish. Guaranteed, those panfish are already going to be there in this late winter thaw looking for food. The food's already there, you kind of just have to put the bait in front of the fish. Fish your small tungsten jigs. A little tip with tungsten jigs. When you fish a tungsten jig, make sure you tip a lot of bait on the jig. Oftentimes, fish will not hit a jig that has very little bait. So, put maybe two wax worms or three spikes on that jig to really entice that fish to come in. Slow is always the key with panfish. If you find fish on your sonar or if you're fishing and you can get fish to either hit your jig or come into your whole area where you're fishing, fish slow. Get them off the bottom and then just wait for them to strike. If you over jig or fish too heavy, they're not going to hit hard. Another tip, you do not have a light rod, purchase a spring bobber. Any tackle shop will sell spring bobbers, which is just an added feature onto your fishing rod or jigging rod that will allow you to feel light